Yo, what is going on, you guys? Welcome back in to the Lunch Table Kings podcast. I'm your host, Max Holtzclaw, and it is currently week 13 in the NFL season, which means there are only two weeks left in the fantasy regular season until the playoffs get started. So in this episode, you already know the drill by now. We're going to take a look into what happened in week 12's matchups before diving into week 13. And as we take a look into the standings this episode, we're also going to do an extended look into what the playoff picture is looking as of right now with these last two weeks coming into the fold. So without further ado, let's get things rolling. So as always, we'll start with the week 12 recap, and we'll start with the highest scoring team, which happened to be myself scoring 147.3 points as I beat Bailey at 108.8 points. My team was led in part to Elijah Mitchell's big outing of 27.8 points, by far his highest outing on the season, and then a couple more 20-point outings from Javante Williams and Stephon Diggs at 20.1 and 20.4. I did have Terry McLaurin only put up 9.1 points, and Taylor Heineke put up a below-average 12.1, but obviously still got the job done in the end. One more thing to add was I did have Dalvin Cook, who did suffer the shoulder injury, which does really hurt this lineup heading forward. On Bailey's side of the ball, he was led with a big outing from Cordero Patterson at 27.5 points, a couple touchdowns scored, and his return to action came out in a big way. Bailey also had Daryl Henderson put up 17 points, and Ezekiel Elliott also hit the 17-point mark. So a couple of strong performances from his running backs. However, was not able to get a full outing from the rest of the team with players such as Tyler Higby only getting 1.3 and then Jalen Hurts putting up a disastrous 3.7. So this knocks Bailey to 6-6 six and six and third in the studs division. The next matchup to take a look at was Russell versus Zach as Russell put up 139.8 points and Zach at 105.5. Russell was led in part to a couple of 32-point outings from Josh Allen and Joe Mixon and then a nice 19-point outing from Rob Gronkowski. He did only get 4.7 from Chris Godwin, and even a below-average 7 from Devontae Freeman, but he still was able to get the W in the end, as previously mentioned in the matchup. On Zach's side of the ball, he had 29.3 points from Dak Prescott from that Thanksgiving outing against the Vegas Raiders. He also had a 19.2 outing from Miles Gaskin, 15.5 15.5 from Keenan Allen, and 16.5 from Mark Andrews. However, Zach only got 2.3 from DK Metcalf in that weird Monday night game where Metcalf wasn't targeted until the fourth quarter, or the third quarter, late in the third quarter. Uh, 4.6 from Mike Evans, and only 5.9 from Nick Chubb. Also, Zach did leave James Conner in his lineup, who was on a bye this week. So a bit of poor management there, and in doing so, only managed to score 105 points. The third match we take a look at was Brandon versus Chet. Brandon came away with a resounding victory of 138 to 73.6. Brandon was led due to the monster performance from Leonard Fournette. Brandon previously getting the uh, record-breaking almost performance from Jonathan Taylor the previous week gets another four-touchdown adding from Leonard Fournette. So some good luck headed for Brandon's running backs in the past couple weeks. Jalen Waddle put up 28.7 points as well, and Debo Samuel only managed to get one catch, but still got 20 points in the end. Uh, One other thing to note is that Debo did get hurt in this game as well, is expected to miss 
a couple of weeks possibly as well. So a bit of an injury bug went around this week, and we'll get to some more of those names as they're up in the lineups. But Brandon did manage to get away with a bigger injury, uh, get away without getting a bigger injury from Debo Samuel there. Brandon's team also took some tough uh, performances as well. Dallas Goddard with only one point. Aaron Jones and his return to action was rather limited and only got 2.3 points. And then Cam Newton at 4.1, really adding on to Brandon's quarterback woes that he's had in the past couple of weeks that he started. On Chet's side of the ball, he was led thanks to A.J. Dillon's 20-point performance. Then after that, there was nothing else to brag about. Chet, obviously only scoring 73 points, was one of the lower scoring outings we have had on the season, but it's not without some bad injury luck coming out, coming down for him this week. It started on Thursday with DeAndre Swift leaving early, only getting 3.9 points. Darren Waller left early, getting only 5.3 points. And then Christian McCaffrey on Sunday is now out for the rest of the season, only managed to get 3.5 points. So a lot of injuries hit Chet hard this weekend. And he's now going to have to try and make up the ground in order to get into the playoffs and make a run from there. And the final matchup to take note of was Connor versus Drew. And Connor got the win at 134.2, and Drew only scored 93.9 points. This loss does officially eliminate Drew from all playoff contention. Connor was led to, thanks to the play of Adam Thielen, a couple touchdowns for him, and then Austin Eckler managed to get 22 points compared to Adam Thielen's 23. Cooper Cup came in with another 18.6 points, Devontae Adams at 18.4, and then a above average expectation of Matt Breida at 13.5. Connor did only get 4.6 from Kyle Pitts, continuing on a rough run of games for Kyle Pitts as he's only gotten double digits once in the last five outings, and that one outing was barely 10 points. And then Michael Pittman Jr. only managed 9.3 points as well. On Drew's side of the ball, Drew was led with a big game from Antonio Gibson, his best game of the season at 23.6 points. DJ Moore got things a little bit back on track at 14.3. Darnell Mooney on Thanksgiving got 17.5 points. And then Chase Claypool got 11.2. Those were the good signs from Drew's team. The bad signs were George Kittle only managed 2.3. Cortland Sutton, again, adding on to his crappy string of games at 3.7. Ramondre at only 4.6 in that timeshare. Lamar Jackson with a terrible outing at 7.4, uh, one of his worst outings of his entire career. And then Saquon only managed to get 9.3. So unfortunately, this game did eliminate Drew completely from playoff contention, and Connor is still firmly in first in his division. So taking a look at the latest things update, we'll start over in the studs division, where I am in first at 8-4, and four. Followed by Brandon at seven and five, then Bailey at six and six, and then Drew at two and ten. In the pros side of the division, Connor is in first at eight and four, followed by Zach at seven and five, and then at five and seven we have both Russell and Chet. As for the playoffs, Connor and myself would get the first round buys. Connor as the one seed, myself as the two seed. Zach would be the three seed at this point. Brandon at four, Bailey at five, and then Russell sitting in sixth due to the head-to-head record between him and Chet at this point in the season. Head-to-head is our tiebreaker instead of points four in this league. 
So with that being said, our bubble teams consist of Bailey at 6-6, six and six, Russell and Chet both at 5-7. and seven. Bailey, all he has to do is win out and he is in. This matchup this week is the most crucial one for him as he is playing Russell. And Bailey is 0-3 against Russell and Chet so far this season. So if Bailey wins this week, he will lock himself into the playoffs for sure. If Russell wins, however... Russell will move ahead of Bailey in the standings, move to fifth spot, and then will control his own destiny as he also holds the tiebreaker over Chet, obviously. And then week seven or week 14, excuse me, is Russell versus Chet. The winner of that matchup could play themselves right into the playoffs, depending on how this week unfolds for both teams. So very crucial matchups for Russell, Bailey, and Chet every step of the way. Myself, Connor, Brandon, and Zach are all locked into the playoffs right now. Standings are still in flux with how close it is, but we are all 100% in the playoffs. So now we'll dive into the Week 13 matchups. And as always, we'll start with the marquee matchup of the week, which pits Bailey versus Russell with some serious playoff implications on the line. If Russell wins, he'll move up ahead of Bailey and be virtually safe, more or less, in the playoff race. Bailey, if he wins, will 100% be in the playoffs, and will hang on to his seeding right now, possibly even move up, depending on what goes on with Brandon's matchup. So we'll take a look at Bailey's team first. He did have a Thursday night player with Ezekiel Elliott, only managing to score 6.7 points. Russell did not have any Thursday night players. Bailey's team is going to be highlighted with the play of Justin Jefferson going up against that Detroit defense. It's Detroit. There's not much else to say other than expect a lot of points scored for the Minnesota Vikings. Just depends on if it's going to be on the ground or through the air. Another name to keep an eye on is Cordero Patterson going up against that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. We know the Buccaneers defense has been stout against the run all season, but Cordero Patterson is no ordinary running back, as in he is a converted wide receiver. Therefore, expect a lot of passing down work, and without Patterson in that lineup, Atlanta offense really looks tragic. It's not good, but with Patterson out there, it's at least viable. And the last thing to bring up is Jamal Williams in the flex. Jamal Williams will get the full workload this week with DeAndre Swift being out, and he's going up in that same Minnesota-Detroit game, so I will expect a big game coming from Jamal Williams uh, in that full workload role. One little thing to note is that Bailey does have Jalen Hurts starting at the moment, and he has just been ruled out. So more than likely, we'll see Justin Herbert into the game for Bailey, uh, assuming Bailey does get the notification and make the move. On Russell's side of the ball, we're going to highlight Josh Allen Monday night against the New England Patriots. New England's defense is one of the best in the league, and apparently there's going to be some serious weather implications going on with that game in Buffalo. So I'm going to be curious to see if that affects Josh Allen, considering that he is a mobile quarterback. Uh, he should be able to still manage to get a decent amount of fantasy points just from his legs. But we'll see what happens. Another name to keep an eye on is Miles Sanders against the New York Jets. The New York Jets are the worst run defense possibly of all time, for fantasy purposes at least. Uh, and so Miles Sanders should have a fantastic day on the ground going against that Jets defense. And then finally in the flex spot, we have DeAndre Hopkins making his 
long-awaited return. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. In fact, it's been since week nine that he has has not played. So the past four weeks has been out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, apparently, a lot of weather uh, implications going on this entire weekend, but should be apparently another weather ordeal going on in Chicago. So we'll see what happens with that uh, with the Arizona passing game, especially considering that Kyler will also be back, making his long awaited return. The next matchup I want to highlight is Zach going up against Connor. And Zach has a 12.1 head start on the week, all coming from Dak Prescott. Connor had no players on Thursday night. So we will start with Zach's team. Uh, Like I said, Dak did play Thursday night, but we're going to see what's going to come out from DK Metcalf this week. DK has been a real stinker as of late. Uh, The past three matchups, he has scored 2.3 last week, the worst game possibly of his career, 7.1 the week before that, and 5.6 right before that as well. Ever since Russell Wilson's been back, DK Metcalf has not performed well. So we'll see if Russell Wilson can feed DK the ball a little bit more this week. Another name to keep an eye on is Mark Andrews going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mark Andrews this season has been very solid. In fact, he is the second best tight end in fantasy football, having not having scored double digits in his past three outings. He does not need a touchdown in order to be a double-digit figure, but a touchdown is always great to see for Mark Andrews, and I would expect nothing less with how bad Lamar played last week. I'd expect a better game from the Baltimore offense as a whole. And the final name to keep an eye on is Russ, or excuse me, Hunter Renfro in that Washington game against the Raiders. Renfro is currently the 21st best wide receiver in fantasy. That's right, he is a top 21 wide receiver, and he has been very solid. In the past five games for him, he's not scored below 10 points except for once, where he scored 7.5 against the Cincinnati Bengals going 4 for 30. In fact, Renfro has not scored below 12.8 points in those past five outings. He's been a mainstay for Derek Carr, and I'm expecting more of the same against the Washington defense that has been very beatable through the air this season. On Connor's side of the ball, he has Tom Brady playing quarterback, and Tom Brady has been the second-best quarterback in fantasy this season, going up against the Atlanta Falcons defense that has been terrible against the pass. I'd expect a huge game coming from Brady in that pass-happy offense. Connor also has Alexander Madison in that same Minnesota-Detroit game. Madison getting the full workload with Dalvin Cook sidelined for the next couple of weeks. Uh, the two games he played by himself, he scored 23.1 points and 26.3 points. So I'd expect another big game as Alexander Madison gets a full workhorse workload. And then the final name to bring up is that Connor has in his flex spot currently Matt Breida in that same New England Buffalo game that I talked about with the Josh Allen performance. Matt Breida the past three weeks has been great considering he's been scoring touchdowns. Scored 13.5 last week, 7.7 the week before that, and 18 points in the week 10 matchup against the Jets. Matt Breida does not get a lot of the work, however. Last week he received nine carries for only 26 yards, two catches for 29 yards. In fact, if he didn't have that touchdown, you would be really pissed for even considering playing him. So going up against that New England defense, who I did 
State earlier is one of the best in the league, uh, but has been gashed a little bit more in the run game. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if Brita gets more of a workload or if it's a Singletary game, especially once again considering the weather implications for that game. The third match we'll take a look at is myself going up against Chet, and Chet has a 19.2 head start on the week, all coming from CeeDee Lamb. I had no players on Thursday night. So highlighting Chet's team first, we're going to take a look at Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night against the Denver Broncos. Mahomes is the sixth best quarterback in fantasy. However, he has not scored above 15 points except for once in the past five outings. Mahomes has really come back down to earth and not looked the same in the past couple of outings. So we'll have to see what to expect from Patrick Mahomes. Going up against the Broncos defense that has been hit and miss, but more so lately giving up more yardage through the air than what they were at the beginning of the season. Another name to keep an eye on is Najee Harris against that Baltimore defense. Uh, Najee, the fourth best running back in fantasy, slowed down a bit as of late after his phenomenal workload of getting 20-plus carries and getting, I don't know, the what, what was it, 19, 20 targets in the same game. So he's slowed down a bit as of late. Last week, coming off his second worst fantasy week on the year, only at 6.7 points. I'd expect another solid outing, uh, as the Baltimore defense is not what it usually is in years past. And the final name to take note of is Tevin Coleman against that Philly defense. That's right, Tevin Coleman is back in a fantasy lineup. Uh, Philly's defense, however, is not the most ideal running back matchup. They're pretty solid against the run, even better against the pass, uh, but can be torched by the tight end spot. That's where they've given up the points. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tevin Coleman gets a full workload. I mean, last week we saw Austin Walter, I believe, was the best running back for the Jets, which if that says anything. So we'll see if Coleman gets a full workload and if he's able to meet expectations for uh, his projections, at least. On my side of the ball, we're going to lean in with the play of Elijah Mitchell going up against that Seattle defense. Elijah Mitchell, last week coming off of his best fantasy performance, 27.8 points, 27 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown, and also received five receptions as well. So he looks to be fully integrated into the offense, and with Trey Sermon out for the foreseeable future, he might still be getting that same kind of workload. Uh, we'll see, of course, depending on the play of Jermichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson as well, as Shanahan does love his rotation of running backs. Another name to keep an eye on is Javante Williams in that Kansas City-Denver game. Javante will have the backfield to himself, as Malvin Gordon has been ruled out. Coming off of his best fantasy performance, scoring 20 points last week, getting 14 carries for 54 yards. So we'll see what Javante can do being the full workhorse back. And the final name to take note of is Stephon Diggs on Monday night against the New England Patriots. I've mentioned this game a lot. It's a big game for real-life purposes. It's a big game for fantasy purposes, as there's a lot of fantasy competitors in this matchup. And it's a big game considering the weather implications. So I'm very curious to see what's going to go down on Monday night when the field is not ideal for these players. And the final matchup to take note of 
as Brandon against Drew. Brandon coming in two this week with a 6.1 head start, all coming from Mari Cooper. Drew with no one on Thursday night. So highlighting Brandon's team, we're going to take a look and see what Jonathan Daylor does against that Houston Texans. The best running back in fantasy, averaging almost 24 points per game. Going up against that weak Houston defense. Honestly, I'd expect another monster week, but after seeing what he did against the Buffalo Bills, everything after that is just not a monster week anymore. The next name to take note of is Leonard Fournette against the Atlanta defense. I mentioned how against the Falcons, uh, Tom Brady against the Falcons earlier, that the Falcons defense has been gashed through the air. Well, Leonard Fournette's receiving a full workload, and doing so is getting a lot of passing down works as well. The last three weeks, he's received seven receptions, six receptions, and eight receptions. That alone equals seven points, six points, eight points, which is a huge head start for this running back spot as well. So I'm expecting another solid performance from Leonard Fournette, probably finding the end zone once, maybe twice even. And then the final name to take note of is Odell Beckham Jr. against that Jacksonville defense in the flex spot. Currently questionable. Um, More than likely should play, but he was a limited participant. And even a non-participant earlier in the week, coming off of his best outing on the season and his first full week under the Rams, scoring 19.1 points. He's become a necessity with the injury of Robert Woods, so I'm curious to see just how integrated Odell will be against that Jacksonville defense that can be beaten. And for Drew's side of the ball, Drew will be leaning on the play of Lamar Jackson. I mentioned earlier how Lamar is coming off of one of his worst ever fantasy outings. Only had 7.4 points, four interceptions in the game. I'm expecting a big turnaround from Lamar. It's not like him to play it that poorly, and I expect him to take it personally and come out with a fire lit under him against that Pittsburgh defense. Another name to keep an eye on is Antonio Gibson against the Las Vegas Raiders. J.D. McKissick is out for this game, and in doing so, I think Gibson will get a full workload once again. Last week received 29 carries, an absurd amount, and then even got seven receptions. So another big outing like that should vault him into RB1 status for this week. And the final name to take note of is Clyde Edwards-Alaire against that Denver defense. He is currently listed as questionable going into the game with an illness from Friday, but I do expect him to play more than likely. If he does, he should be in for another solid outing Denver can be beaten on the ground, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire was getting a decent amount of workload before he left in the injury, and last week was eased back in with 12 carries still. So Clyde should be a solid play for Drew this week. So that'll wrap up this week's edition of the Lunch Table Kings podcast. We're getting very, very close to the fantasy postseason now. There are only two weeks remaining before that gets going. We have four teams locked in, three teams on the bubble, one team eliminated. So we'll have to see how things go. I'll be back next week once again to break down everything that's happened, break down how the playoffs are shaping up, and we'll see maybe if we can even get a little bit of predictions on what's going to happen. So until then, good luck, everyone, and may the best team win. (laughs) 